Hello, everybody. This is Drake Long. I'm a young leader with the Pacific Forum, and on Conversation 6 today, I am talking with my buddy, Sam Barron. Hi, everybody. I'm Sam Barron. I'm a Southeast Asia analyst with the Asia Group. And today, Sam and I are going to be talking about the 38th and 39th ASEAN summits and related summits, which will be held this week from October 26th through October 28th. So, Sam, what are you most looking forward to? The thing I'm most closely following with these upcoming summits is um, who's going to be attending from the U.S. side and whether Biden will attend or not. So we've seen over the past couple of months, the administration kind of signal that it wants to increase its engagement with ASEAN and Southeast Asia writ large. Um, first of all, we have the new um, Indo-Pacific strategy that Blinken kind of unveiled or that un unveiled the announcement of um, at the UN General Assembly that said, it would, and he said it would focus very heavily on the centrality of ASEAN and the role of the organization in U.S. Um, foreign policy towards Southeast Asia. And that also comes on the tail of several high-profile trips from senior administration officials. First, um, Defense Secretary Austin's trip to the region this summer, which was followed by um, Vice President Harris's trip to Singapore um, and Vietnam in August. So I'll be following that very closely. Yeah, one of the benefits of these back-to-back -back summits is that you get a lot of face time with the region, especially if you're an outside country like the U.S. Um, but yeah, it, you talk about President Biden potentially attending the summits, and that's currently the rumor right now. That would definitely be a welcome change from the last administration, which, if I remember correctly, got some knocks for not prioritizing these summits quite as much. Um, in 2017, then-President Trump actually skipped the East Asia summit outright. In 2018, he sent the vice president, Mike Pence. In 2019, they sent the Secretary of Commerce, Wilbur Ross, if I remember correctly, which for a series of summits that are primarily for heads of state is a bit of a snub. And I don't think ASEAN looked on it too favorably. So the specter of greater engagement with this administration is probably much appreciated. Yeah, definitely. And the thing is, is, is it's going to be a lot easier um, for Biden to attend, given it will be in a virtual format this year. Um, and I think the administration is being more diligent about preparing for the summits as well. Um, so they recently dispatched um, Derek Chollet, the State Department counselor, to the region to kind of lay the groundwork for the upcoming summits this week. Um, so he went to Indonesia, Thailand, and Singapore to broadly discuss the Myanmar issue following ASEAN's decision um, to exclude Hunter Chief Minong Lang from the summit, which is quite an interesting development and kind of shows that the U.S. is very engaged um, in, in anticipating developments at, at these summits. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, moving on from the, the East Asia Summit, which is the premier kind of U.S.-centered engagement event with the region, the ASEAN Summit itself uh, is solely for the neighborhood, or at least mostly so. And they made the very interesting decision before the summit this year to exclude the current military government of Myanmar from attending. They said a non-political representative can come, which in my opinion is a decision that showed an unusual amount of spine for an organization that gets quite a few knocks all the time and a lot of criticism for otherwise not reacting in a proper way to the uh, coup in Myanmar and the down spiral into further civil war there. The reaction that they had was really not particularly substantive. No, absolutely. And a lot of kind of commentators have said that this is an unprecedented um, move from ASEAN given um, their principle of non-interference. 
but I think the reason they decided to move forward with it was because it was, it was really a question about um, ASEAN's credibility going mm -hmm. forward. There's actually quite an interesting interview that Ben Bland from the Lowy Institute had with the Philippine Foreign, Foreign Minister, Teddy Luxon. And Luxon kind of said that if ASEAN is an organization that can only come together to agree on the worthless things, then maybe the institution <laughs> shouldn't exist at all. So, I mean, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I can't exactly argue with that. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it definitely does speak a little bit to the credibility of ASEAN as an organization. It shows they are following events in their neighborhood close enough to at least have some sort of effect on things. But I believe the deciding vote on excluding the junta was actually Brunei, the chair of the ASEAN summit this year. Is that right? I believe that's right. Um, there was actually quite a close vote. Um, and they were kind of the, the tiebreaker and, and kind of shows the role that the ASEAN chair can kind of play in these kind of major decisions going forward. And actually an, in an interesting development is that Cambodia will be um, the ASEAN chair next year. For those who don't know, the ASEAN chair rotates annually. So Drake, what are you, what are you anticipating um, from Cambodian's chairmanship? Yeah. Um, well, Cambodia doesn't have the best track record when it comes to chairing ASEAN events. Uh, famously, they ran one of the very, very few foreign minister summits where there was no joint statement coming out whatsoever. And they have a history of scuttling joint statements and sort of holding things up at ASEAN on behalf of issues like China's stance in the South China Sea um, and other things like that. It, it's going to be very, very interesting to see if they approach the Myanmar issue in the same way Brunei did and how they sort of deal with the ongoing COVID-19 crisis. But that might be a topic for another discussion as I believe we're coming up on time. Thanks for joining me for this one, Sam. Thanks, Dre.